When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome to episode 72 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. Happy Thanksgiving, John. Today's Friday. How was your day yesterday? Thanksgiving was yesterday, buddy. Today is Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's it's the time. Gather around. Gather around. The day that just keeps on giving. Exactly. All year around, really. Exactly. And I, I had a good Thanksgiving, buddy. How about you? It was a good Thanksgiving. I just told you before we started, I had a cousin in town who I hadn't seen in nine years. So shout out cousin John. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time. I was <laughs> hey cousin John. You see me weekly. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, he's Cuzzo, John. He's he's a real cousin. Cuzzo? Okay. okay. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we should start out by ranking our like top three Thanksgiving foods. You down? Okay. Do you have a top three? Yeah, I thought I'll go, I'll, I'll, with this. I'll go turkey, rolls, mm. and then either hash brown or green bean casserole. Have you ever had the hash brown casserole from a Cracker Barrel? No, but I've, I have had hash brown casserole before, and it's a staple in the house. Yeah. Right, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. My friend's coming for it. Mac and cheese sucks. If you <laughs> if you have mac and cheese on your plate, just go ahead, throw that right in the dumpster, take grandma's china, throw it on the floor. You're disgracing her memory with it. Mac and cheese, it, it it's the Bryce Young of foods. It's <laughs> tiny. It's ineffective. It's overdrafted. David Tepper likes it for some reason. I don't fully disagree with you, but I think if it's, like, done the right way, then it's okay. Like, if Bryce Young happened to pan out, then, like, you're like, all right, well, like, it works. I don't know. I I had mac and cheese yesterday, and it was, like, the best side that we had probably. So, like, I don't really disagree with you that, like, mac and cheese isn't a Thanksgiving food, but the mac and cheese I had was really good, so I feel like I got to stick up for it. I'm as confident in mac and cheese as I am at Bryce Young. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, okay. My top three stuffing is definitely one. Stuffing, stuffing with sausage specifically. My roommate said he had stuffing with venison yesterday. I was like, that sounds interesting, but stuffing with sausage, mashed potatoes, not smashed potatoes. Um, hmm. Then, hmm. You like leaving the skin in there? I was trying to think of like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I usually don't like the skin. Shout out to yeah. Taylor Dahl who made a really good smashed potatoes for 10 10 the other week. But usually I like like just mash where there's no skin. It's just but, yeah, it's like mash, mash it with like the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing. My, my dad likes to tell a story of when they were younger, my grandpa did a stuffing with oysters. And I'm like, that just that sounds horrific. <laughs> that sounds awful. Wow. I'm trying to think of my third. Uh 
I guess I'll go pecan pie. Copy okay. a little bit, but I was trying to think of like what the best dessert is. Rolls is a good one though. Rolls is like a pretty underrated side for Thanksgiving. I enjoyed the Macy's Day Parade turkey yesterday. <laughs> so did I. It's a good. It was a good reveal on television. But I caught I caught some screenshots online. So yeah, I also enjoyed it. The gift that keeps on giving oh, every year. Every year it. Every year it looks worse too. So I'm like it's just deteriorating with age, but. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, potential for a big turkey on Sunday, man. Yeah, mm. so, somebody's going to look like a turkey. Hey, ja- I'm going to look like a turkey. Jaguars, Texans. I mean, we've talked about how big of a game this is, like two weeks. Like, it felt like hey, – uh, I know you're not a big, you know, wrestling guy, but, in, like, wrestling, they have stuff called, like, house shows where, like, they go to cities and they put on shows for people, but they just, they literally don't put it on TV. So it's like just not as important at all. The right. Titans was a house show for the Jaguars. And this is, this is the pay-per-view. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like you said, we talked a lot about how big this game is. It's always, the next game is always the most important. And that's literally a quote the Jaguars players have said, but this feels like it actually might be the most important because if the Texans win the game, then both teams will have the same record at, seven and five but the texans will have the head-to-head tiebreaker at two and oh so they'll be jumped to first place in the afc south and the jaguars will be i mean i'm sure they'll still have a wild card spot as things would fall but yeah they, they probably would move to the sixth seed so like right now obviously baltimore kansas city jacksonville miami are the four yeah. You know, division leaders, and then you have Cleveland at seven and three in the fifth seed, Houston at six and four in the sixth seed, and Pittsburgh at six and four in the seventh seed. I can imagine you can probably swap one of those out for like Buffalo or probably Pittsburgh, and then those are probably your seven playoff teams. I'd say. Yeah, that's fair. So we'll see how it irons out. I mean, either way, I feel like the Jaguars are kind of like playing for seeding at this point. Uh, But obviously, if they lose this game on Sunday, then they'll kind of have their work cut out for them. A lot more. Yeah. yeah. So from the New York Times playoff simulator, the Jaguars' chances to make the playoffs as it stands today is an 89% chance. They have a 7% chance for, you know, the top seed. And if they win this game, that top seed chance jumps up to 12%. And they would have a 96% chance to make the playoffs. So it's basically win this game and by all intents and purposes, you're in the playoffs. If they lose, they have an 81% chance to make the playoffs. So it's like a 15% chance difference making the playoffs. And it's still obviously 81 is a good chance to make the playoffs, but it definitely does make things, you know, more interesting. But there's absolutely a scenario where the Jaguars lose this game. Fans absolutely tear their insides apart for the next six to seven days about CJ Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, D'Amico Ryans, et cetera. And the Jaguars are still in prime position to make the playoffs regardless. Right. Yeah, like the whole conversation for the rest of the year is probably just going to be like, who's the number one team in the South? And then if they win on Sunday, like the conversation could kind of shift to like, oh, are the Jags like real contenders to get the number one seed in the AFC? But if the Texans win, I think you have to undoubtedly say they're a top team in the South this year. Like you can't, regardless of what else happens, you can't be swept by a team, in my opinion, and say it, 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 especially if the records are similar and really, you know, have a claim above them. That's fair. All right, well, let's get into it. Jags offense versus Texans defense. Uh, Other than seeing whether the team 
commits red zone turnovers, what are you looking for on Sunday? Yeah, that's the big thing. Like, you go back and watch the Jaguars' week three game against the Texans. Like, they only scored 17 points. But it wasn't as bad as that would say from, like, a pure, like, down-to-down basis. Like, it wasn't – they didn't look like, you know, the Titans last week or the Pittsburgh Steelers a few weeks ago to where they just couldn't move the ball. They just made so many, like, stupid mistakes, like, mm-hmm. over and over. Like, they had a Jamal Agnew fumble. Uh, Lawrence uh, pressed at one point and made a poor throw that resulted in interception. They, you know, Lawrence tripped ETN on a third and one run. It, I don't know if you remember that play. Yeah. Uh, they had several third and fourth down conversions. Two or three wiped out. Like, they had, like, a fourth and five that they picked up that was wiped out by a Brandon Sheriff hands to the face. So, they literally everything that could have gone wrong for the offense from like that perspective, like the little things and just consistency wise did go wrong, which lends you to believe like, you know, if they can get out of their own way for like once, like when we saw them last week, they finally, you know, got the hell out of their own way against the Titans. And like that, like that very well could have been a different game with the Jaguars, you know, instead of being super efficient in the red zone and everything. If instead they had just turned it over turn times like they did against Houston, now, that game's a perfect example of what the Jaguars' offense looks like when they're not, you know, getting the hell in their way. You know, like like stepping on their exactly. So I don't know. I, I I wasn't optimistic about the Jaguars' offense entering last week. I think I only predicted them to score twenty points, but I'm a bit more optimistic this week just because we did finally see a full sixty minutes of them not, you know tripping all over themselves and bombing down their bare chest if they <laughs> try to put together a complete drive. That's true. I'll, I think a big difference in this game versus last is that Zay Jones is going to be active in playing. He played zero snaps in the week three matchup, and Lawrence was fully healthy for that one, but like we kind of saw the Zay Jones effect a little bit last week. I don't know. How like it feels like he wasn't really like an actual like deep decoy route on like a lot of like Ridley's production. Um, so like you can't really like point to anything he did last week and say like oh this is like a clear example of like how Zay is like kind of like lifting up the floor of the offense. But I mean it is true he does lift up the floor of the offense. So it'll be interesting to see him this week like if they're doing a lot of three wide receiver sets. I think the Jags rank like third or second in 13 personnel usage this year. And so I wonder how much of that is like the fact that they just drafted strange extended Engram and have Luke Farrell, as opposed to like the fact that they were missing Zay Jones. I know that I think press was saying, maybe it was Doug said in the past week that like the Zay Jones injury has been big. Cause it's like messing around with like, kind of like their personnel packages and like their groupings and who they can send out there, which is like obvious, but like, it was nice to hear a coach actually say it. So that'll be Definitely something to look for this week is like the Zay Jones impact. But honestly, I think even though every week is technically a Kevin Ridley week, I'm expecting more of a Evan Engram and Christian Kirk kind of game out of the passing offense just because Denzel Perryman, the middle linebacker for the Texans, is out because of a suspension. And then Jimmy Ward, who's a safety, but I think plays like slot nickel for them, hasn't practiced so far this week uh, with a hamstring injury. So I think the middle of the field is going to be a little bit more open this week. So I'd, ex- I'd expect Kirk and Ingram to profit. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know, absolutely fair. You know, honestly, I, I think, like, this should be 
you know, a week that you see Ingram kind of get back on the horse. It's wild that he hasn't scored like a touchdown this yeah. year, you know, for like Crazy. the year that he's having. Like, it felt like last week, last week especially, like they were literally just asking him to do all those like sit routes over the middle. <laughs> like, come on, he can. He can do more than he can do more than that. So I'm I'm with you. Like, it definitely feels like eventually, like he's due to have like a bigger game than he's you know been having. Mm-hmm. I I I think like a big reason the Jaguars you know did so well passing the ball last week was because of that 12 personnel, you know, leaving a lot of you know tight ends and pass protection, a lot of six man pass protection. It's basically what you're seeing Houston like do well on offense in my opinion cuz like you watch like any Texans game and it's basically like two man route like you know concepts maybe three man route concepts and a ton of guys in protection you know six man seven man protection and i think that's right. what you saw Jacksonville do more of last week which i think is you know definitely encouraging right now Houston leads the league in receptions allowed to tight ends they are fourth in yards allowed to tight ends, and they are tied for third in touchdowns allowed to tight ends. So, mm-hmm. and they're first in targets allowed to tight ends. So it definitely does feel like it should be, you know, an Ingram week. Texans defense they also run a ton of zone defense, you know, as opposed to man defense. And we've talked about it before. Like it just feels like Trevor at least where he's at right now. I don't, I'm not sure if this has always been the case, but at least this year, I feel like he's been a better quarterback against zone than against man. Like you kind of saw it a little bit last week. You know, it, yeah. I wonder how much Houston changes their, you know, approach. Cause right now, you know, Houston is you know a predominantly, you know, zone team. 68% of their snaps come in, you know, zone coverage as opposed to man coverage you know you just you you don't see a lot of straight man you know press from them as you've seen from some defenses that have forced the jaguars to struggle but i do wonder if you know maybe i don't know maybe you see that change this year i mean they're so it's interesting they're ninth in usage rank in zone coverage and 20th in man coverage rank but in terms of success rate, they're third in man coverage and 29th in zone coverage. So they deploy a lot of zone. They aren't very good at it. They do a little bit of man and then much better at it. So I wonder if even though like D'Amico's entire like defensive like background is, you know, rush for and play zone behind them is if they take a page out of like, you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs and the Saints playbook and really challenge the Jaguars at the line. Because that was I, I, one thing. I felt like you saw the Titans try to do it some last week, but they mm-hmm. weren't nearly as consistent in, like, you know, establishing that. And, yeah. I, I, like, it was clear to Jaguars, like, made them pay for it. Like, you've talked before, like, Calvin Ridley, the longer, like, he gets plays to develop, the better he is. Like, he's just not, like, a quick-hitting type guy. So, yeah. if you challenge him at the line and throw off that timing, it – Really throws off his entire game, and I, I, I'm interested to see how Houston really attacks them because you didn't see a lot of that like in in week three. No, uh, I'm interested. Can you pull up like the defensive stats for like man and zone and everything for just third downs, or maybe third and fourth downs? Because I feel like Eco's defense is like, at least from what I've heard about it from like different people, is that on early downs it's like the San Francisco influence is like very apparent and it's not as much just line up and play that Gus Bradley likes to do in Indianapolis, but like it's like it's the cover three San Francisco scheme is what you can expect on early downs. But then D'Amico does a really good job of like 
getting into exotic looks and just like switching stuff up and playing mind games a little bit with the opposing quarterback on late downs. So I wonder if like definitely not surprised to hear that they're a zone heavy team in general, but I wonder if he like ups the man rate a little bit uh, on third downs or maybe it's just like more different cover yeah. type of coverages. Yeah, they definitely increase it some on third downs. It's still mostly a zone. It's 58% to 30 no, yeah, 58% to 31%. So mm-hmm. it's still like mostly zone, but it's definitely a lot of man in there. Uh, and and again, even on late downs, their success like rank is better in man coverage than in zone coverage. So it 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 there's definitely some credence, you know, to your point. And I don't know, like I know the entire talk has been CJ Stroud and the Jaguars defense, etc. What whether Lawrence can figure out Houston's defense to me means just as much. I mean, he's what, one in three against them in his career. And last year scored six points against them. Uh, didn't really put up an offensive fireworks in the second game against them. I know it was mostly like a, like a hit the snooze button type of game and just get in there and get the hell out. Uh, obviously his rookie year didn't, you know, play well against them. And, the one constant for them has been, I know it's different schemes, but they've ran zone heavy schemes the entire time. So I'm, I'm, even though his splits this year have been better against zone than against man, I'm interested to see how Lawrence, you know, approaches this. And I'm interested to see the offensive line too. Like, you know, you, the Jags coaches this week have said that, you know, the they thought, you know, one of the big reasons they lost in week three was that Houston won in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I remember Will Anderson had a really solid game. He blocked the kick. Uh, Jonathan Greenard's kind of come into his own. I, just, I know, your guy, your guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's and not, then, like, ever going to be a defensive player of the year, but I'm just saying he's a good player. I believe I recall you saying he was a defensive player of the year. <laughs> Neither of us are ever going to go back and check the tapes. <laughs> so, uh, last time they played, Will Anderson had uh, four pressures and 21.4% win rate. Malik mm-hmm. Collins had four pressures and a 17.4% win rate. And Greenard had three pressures and a 14.3% win rate. So, obviously, all those guys did you know plenty of damage against the Jaguars in week three. I kind of feel like Malik Collins, like Will Anderson's like the guy to stop, but I kind of feel like whether they stop Malik Collins will dictate what they do, which is he's a good player, but it's Malik Collins. Like it's the same thing as the Zay Jones argument. Like it shouldn't make sense, but I feel like it's the reality. I do think like this is the best on paper matchup for Jacksonville's on offensive line, like pretty much the entire season, or at least since the last game these two teams played in week three. But even then, like Will Anderson was able to take advantage of Anton Harrison probably a little bit easier than I would expect him to be able to on Sunday just because it was Anton's third ever NFL game as opposed to 11th ever or whatever it is and actually that actually makes a decent difference and Anton hasn't been like a like lockdown guy since the bye or like in the past month or anything like that but he's definitely cleaned up his act a little bit compared to the first month and then like the interior of the offensive line is really where the Jaguars get in trouble and as you said like Malik Collins is like the scariest guy on the interior for the Texans after like the murders row of like Jeffrey Simmons, Javon Hargreave, et cetera, et cetera, that the Jags have been facing. Uh, so they did get a lot of pressure in week three, but again, like on paper, I think this is a matchup that the Jags should be able to handle. 
I know you mentioned it, you know, a little bit, but we obviously expect this to be an Evan Ingram week. But Zay Jones, do we see in him? Because I, I, he's one of the biggest stories of their year because he's missed, you know, so much time and everybody has talked ad nauseum about his impact. Gus, in four games, he has 12 catches for 98 yards. <laughs> he did look really good in week one. I feel like was the touchdown his no, only catch? Okay, no, he, he did not. He had one really good play in week one. The touchdown was pretty nice. <laughs> and we, all right, in week one, he caught five passes on seven targets for 55 yards and a touchdown. But, okay, so this is the entire thing is that, like, you're correct. And, like, Zay Jones is, like, shouldn't be this important. And it's, like, we've gotten, like, wrapped up in talking about it in every podcast. But, like, he's a viable like playable NFL wide receiver and the other guys that the Jaguars have on the roster are not. It's just that like it like Zay Jones isn't an incredible receiver, but he's good enough. And like just the difference between Zay Jones and Elijah Cooks or Tim Jones or Jabal Agnew is like a significant defense and it limits like what the Jaguars are able to do. So is is it a big deal to you that they didn't have him in week three? Like he didn't play the first time these two teams played. No, nah, like week three, like there was so much that went wrong. Like if you were like, oh, what if Zay Jones had played? I'd be like, probably the exact same thing would have happened. I think like the Zay Jones thing is more of like a reason to like explain why the Jags have been underwhelming on offense for the entire season. But like, like he's not so important that you can like go back to pinpoint like one game or one like half of a game and say like, oh, this is the reason that they lost or this is the yeah. reason. That they lost. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then. Like, one thing I feel like gets lost from that week three game is it's one of the few games this year the Jaguars ran the ball well. Like, they're like, I, I know ETN's had a really good season in terms of explosive plays and touchdowns, but they legitimately, they, they simply have not been a good team rushing this year. They had mm-hmm. four, you know, he had 4.6 yards per carry against them in week three. I don't have it in front of me, but I would imagine that's one of his, you know, more efficient overall games. How important is it to you, to them, to try to, like, my thinking is they're in trouble if they go into this game thinking this has to be a shootout between Lawrence and Stroud. You know, like, I think they have to lean on the run some, one, to try to get it going because it's obviously a huge part of the offense, and two, to help protect the passing game some like last week because mm-hmm. – Again, despite what the nerds say, you don't need to be good at running the ball, you know, for play action, you know, to work. I, I actually don't know if that's a nerd take or not. To, um, um, I think I think the nerd take is that like you don't need to run play action in order for it to succeed. Oh, you don't need to run the ball to run play action. That's yeah. that's what their take is. Yeah, no, you do. <laughs> you absolutely do. The, yeah, the so. correct take is that you do need to run the ball, but you don't need to do it like super well. That's what you're yeah. saying. And that's what the Jags showed last week. Like, yeah, you, you go back and watch it all 22. Like, that that first Kirk catch on their first touchdown drive off of play action, Elijah Molden was a slot corner. He was completely in no man's land and because of, you know, the play action. And so I, I think sticking with that is probably one of the bigger and maybe, like, undersold keys to this game. I think so, too. And, again, like, on paper, it should be a good matchup for the Jaguars. Like, ETN had some pretty nice success back in week three. The Texans are missing Denzel Perriman. Um, I forget who their other starting linebackers, like Cashman, Blake Cashman or something. Yeah, Blake. But uh, the, new, 
the dude who almost got beat by Ridley for a touchdown on like the third play. Yeah, he has actually turned into a pretty solid player. But then they're like Henry Toto or whatever from Alabama, their other li- young linebacker is like not great. And he's like just the kind of guy that teams would kind of like put their microscope on uh, and just like target him on defense. So Dang, what I, I think you definitely need to like establish the run a little bit. And I think it's like not – correct to say that like the Jaguars were like resting ETN to use him for this week. But oh no, they, they weren't. No, but I, I like, I, I think that ETN will get like more snaps and more work this week than he did last week. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Does Christian Harris not do anything for them? Guess not. I feel like he's I, like a two down thumper kind of guy. I liked him coming out. Let's see. Yeah. He, he started six games this year. So, I don't know. TBD. So, Gus, you got anything else on the offense? Uh, just when you we were talking about Engram, I looked it up, and he has two total targets in the red zone this year and zero <laughs> within the 10-yard line. So, like, I, think I, I think I saw a tweet saying he has the same amount of red zone targets as Brendan Strange this year. Right. So, it's like it's surprising that he hasn't scored a touchdown, but it's way more surprising that he hasn't really, like, gotten chances because like you'd think that like he'd like present some kind of like athletic mismatch that the Jags would be able to like take advantage of somewhere in the red zone against like a nah, bigger they, he's got like a pretty good too not as big of a mismatch as a fade to Christian Kirk <laughs> which is as the nerds will say the worst play in football is a goal line fade <laughs> that <It's>, one was <laughs> yeah. it is funny though how the Jaguars are either like all right we're gonna like run it up the gut from under center or we're going to go and shotgun and Lawrence is going to like fire a ball into the corner of the end zone. That like feels like their red zone plan. Yeah. They, I feel like they never have like just a guy like sit at the goal line and like just fall backwards into the end zone. (laughs) Yeah. They've never, they haven't scored an easy touchdown other than like, they haven't scored an easy red zone touchdown. I feel like. Yeah. yeah, I think the way that we're saying like, get ETN going because that can, like, open up the passing game like it did last week, that definitely applies to the red zone as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you, absolutely. Ingram definitely does feel underutilized. And that's – like, I, I don't know what their red zone – like, like <laughs> I've been covering this regime for two years. And I still don't know what their red zone philosophy is other than try to get Zay Jones under the goalpost. <laughs> yeah. That's it right there. I think you nailed it. Yeah, exactly. All right. We're going to cut for a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about defense. All right, Gus. The fragile state, emotional state of all Jaguar fans everywhere kind of hinge on what the defense does against C.J. Stroud. Yeah. If C.J. Stroud has like a 350-yard, three-touchdown day, I don't think we can wander into the wilderness that is social media for like the next week. I I, I think Jags fans will be ready, ready to do anything, say anything. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be testy. He's he's that good, man. He 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 is that good. He it, it's not hype, you know. Like he's legitimately been as good as everybody says, and I feel like. Literally every coach and player says this, so it feels like a cliche, but it's real. Like the most impressive thing watching him, and again, you go back and watch the week three game. Literally, like his process is never rushed. You know, he's never, you know, lacking for composure. He's always very, you know, very 
like keeps things clean, you know, very in control, keeps his eyes downfield. And I'll say probably the one thing Trevor doesn't always, you know, do as well. You saw it against the 49ers. You know, he just that composure in the pocket isn't always is there. That's what Stroud already shows as a rookie. And the numbers are obviously ridiculous. The one thing I will say, you know, he's exploded in terms of touchdowns and passing yardage the last, like two of the last, well, really the last two weeks, but the Buccaneers pass defense, one of the worst over the last month or so. The Bengals defense has given up the most explosive plays on defense this year, despite Big Lou. Uh, the the Cardinals defense, I I couldn't name you three players on it. So <laughs> it, 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 it's not like he's been going against the 85 Bears or anything like that each week, you know. So he's, he's done what he's supposed to, and he's produced against bad defenses. On the flip side, he produced against the Jags defense in week three. It, a lot of his yardage, I think almost half of it came on those two miscommunications and coverage to Tank Dell. Yeah. But to me, the big part of that game was not the plays that he made, but the fact that the Jaguars literally forced him into zero mistakes. I can't remember a single ball he put in harm's way that day. And that was behind like a backup offensive line. So to me, that's the biggest thing. Like the biggest thing for their defense all year has been forcing quarterbacks into mistakes and taking advantage of them. They didn't do that against them in week three. And that's the one thing I'm not sold that they were going to be able to do this week just because I'm not sure. I know he threw three picks last week, but I'm not sure in general how many mistakes this guy's going to make. Yeah, I think we were both saying after week three, like, holy cow, this guy is, like, more than legit. It was just because, like, the poise they showed in the pocket more than anything. Like, like it was, like, if you, like, just look at, like, a three-point shooter and you don't look at, like, whether the shot is going in, but you can just, like, tell how good the form is. And, like, that was kind of, like, what it felt like watching CJ. Because, obviously, he did have those two big plays to tank down and, like, kind of lit up the scoreboard and the stat sheet and all that. But just, like, the way that he did it and how he looked doing it was – extremely impressive and that's just kind of like what we've seen off season from him uh and the Jaguars were kind of like supposed to have gotten him under pressure and supposed to have gotten him to make mistakes back in week three because the Texans offensive line was pretty beat up at that point I did, did Laramie Tunsil even play in that game no no they I want to say the only guy who played was a uh, Shaq Mason I think mm, okay so they, they had one, maybe two of their, like, typical starting offensive linemen. Back no, they, they, have, they have one. It was definitely one, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah and then it, like, seemed to not really matter. Um, so I think this week is going to be – like, I was trying to think, like, how do you stop C.J. Stroud? Because, like, I feel like I haven't, like, seen anything or, like, heard anything that's, like, oh, there's, like, a way to figure this out. And, like, I've said before that, like – elite quarterbacks you just like can't blitz against and that's like the stratosphere that Stroud has entered um and he's like also just tearing apart man coverage I think I looked it up he has 9.5 yards per attempt uh (laughs) man which is tied with Dak Prescott for third best and but above them are just Tua and Brock Purdy who are like like that's like they're very much a scheme stat stat is how well they're playing against man coverage but then like I think Stroud like Dak is a pretty good comp for Stroud because, like, they're both such, like, great processors. And, like, I, I think a great comp. if you're sending pressure at them, like, they have both the mental capacity to, like, process quickly and then the physical capacity to, like, get the ball to where it needs to go to be able to blitz, beat blitzes more often than, than not. So 
What I'm expecting from Mike Caldwell this week is a lot of those looks were like on late downs. They'll walk up a bunch of players to line of scrimmage and have like seven guys right at the offensive line looking like they're going to blitz. And I feel like what Caldwell's defense has done and what defenses usually should do is like back off against really good quarterbacks, but then get after really bad quarterbacks and like force the bad force mistakes out of the bad quarterbacks, but then like let mistakes come to you from the good quarterbacks. So like, like the most famous example is when the chiefs lost the Bengals in the AFC championship game and big Lou, as you just said, uh, he like dropped eight defenders into coverage, like pretty much the entire second half. And so uh, Mahomes had like a bunch of time to throw, but he like never really had anywhere to go with the ball. And so I think that's like a similar game plan that, you kind of need against Stroud. I mean, obviously you're not going to be dropping eight a lot against any quarterback, even like Mahomes. It like that was sure. kind of a one-off playoff game plan, second half adjustment type thing. But like, I think that again, on late downs, like when the Jags run up everyone's line of scrimmage, you're going to see them drop a ton of players into coverage more often than not. And that'll be kind of like the deciding factors, like whether they get enough, like, like uh, they, the Jags defense runs a lot of Tampa too. And they do a lot of inverted Tampa too, and like to get like a quarterback covering where a safety would have been, and vice versa to try to mess with the quarterback. So like I'll be looking at like how often they do inverted coverages and like uh, the safeties like rotating after the snap and like what they're kind of doing on the back end because I think that's going to be a lot more important than like how fast can Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen get to Stroud. I, I agree with you, and you go back and you know you look at SIS's data for their Week Three game. The Jags played man coverage five times. Uh, Houston had an 80% success rate against that. Uh, the Jags blitzed 11 times. Houston had a 73% success rate. So it was very clear that, you know, man coverage and blitzing did not work against, you know, Houston the first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the big thing with the Jaguars defense in general is, like you said, like they love to blitz, you know, on, you know, third down. Right now they're 10th overall in the NFL, like in blitz rate, you, you know, you bring that down to third and fourth down and they're seventh overall. So mm-hmm. that's my thing. Like it's part of their DNA, but this week it absolutely shouldn't be. So I'm fascinated to see like if they're stubborn and stick with it or if they like realize, cause again, the big thing is with Houston, they go with so much, so many of these max protection, six, seven, eight man protection plays they want you to blitz, you know, yeah. like they, they want as few guys in the secondary as possible. So I'm with you. I think the game plan this week for the Jaguars, it's never their game plan, but I think it has to be rush four and drop seven. And like, I, 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 I just think that if you blitz, especially on third down, you're more or less playing right in the Houston and CJ Stroud's hands. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm interested to see is if Caldwell can get away from his identity a little bit, because that's what the good defense coordinators do. You know, they're able to mix it up some and kind of get away from their core philosophies when they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he could be, you know, Wink Martindale and just go down <laughs> go down with the chips. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my the hot take I had written down is this is the week Mike Caldwell gets his flowers. Because I think, like, we've been, like, waiting for it all season. I mean, the Jags defense has dropped off a little bit in the past, like, month after starting off the season super hot. I think they're still it's mainly because of the 49ers game. Yeah. Um, but like we were uh like they're like top they're like number eight in EPA per play now. They were like number four before the 49ers debacle. 
but even when they were number four, like it felt like no one nationally was talking about the Jaguars defense or Mike Caldwell. It was like, oh, look, the Jags defense is leading the league in turnovers. But then like that's pretty much the only analysis you were really going to get. And so I think this could be the week that like national people start to finally pay attention to what Mike Caldwell is doing with his unit. Because like I kind of think CJ Stroud is going to throw for 300 regardless. But then if he throws like one touchdown and two picks, and the Titans lose, then like that could be enough just to kind of like get the narrative going. If like CJ Stroud and the Texans like kind of like fall up, fall short after playing so well in the past month or two months, uh, so like I, I think Caldwell is gonna like be able to mix it up and like be able to do at least like we'll see how the execution falls because like that was kind of like the like where the blame went for the week three losses that like coaches were like oh yeah we were in like decent spots but just didn't execute so I guess I guess it'll be kind of like that case tomorrow but I, I'm confident that like Mike Caldwell will be able to kind of like know what's coming better because I'll also add that he was asked this week and along with a player who it was probably Josh Allen but it might have been someone else were asked like oh is it like easier to play or like is there anything to you guys being the first team to play CJ Stroud uh, twice, like for for the second time, and yeah, Mike so. Caldwell was like, "Yeah, I don't know about like whether the fact that we faced him before matters too much, but just the fact that there's a lot more tape out there matters." And like, I think I said during the off season that usually it's tougher to face rookie quarterbacks at the beginning of the year than the end of the year, like That's just true. for that reason is that there's a lot less tape on them. So the Jags were only working with two weeks of tape going into Week Three for C.J. Stroud and like the Texans offense and how they do things because they've got a new offense coordinator but now they've got over over half of a season of film to go through and i think that'll be a pretty big difference i i I think that's a good point i got two questions for you all right the first one will you concede the damian pierce point to me Mm, yeah yeah he's hurt right now so like i don't know if he's been hurt He's ran hurt. He's ran like he, he's looked like he's been hurt. I'll concede it to I to him. Okay. Maybe, that, maybe that, he bounces back, but it's like how often do you do like running backs really bounce back? Devin Singletary running back one in Houston. It looks like it. Yeah, I uh, it does. I like his under this week though. A little sneak peek for the picks. All right. Second question: Who scores more touchdowns this week, Tank Dell or Tank Bigsby? Hmm. Yeah, that's my hey. That, that's my hot take. Tank Bigsby gets into the end zone more than Tank Dell does this week. Yeah, that's a lock good one. that in. Lock that one in. I think Tank Dell has like five touchdowns in the last four games or something like that. So that's crazy. Yeah, he's yeah. How, how much does he concern you with? Like Tyson hasn't practiced all week, so I'm, again, Peterson's saying in the past like two years has been if you don't practice, you don't play. So I firmly like expect Tyson not to play on Sunday at this point. How much does that concern you? Uh, it doesn't concern me as much as it did for the Steelers game, just because okay. we, talked on, or we talked about how like hypothetically bigger receivers are a better matchup for yeah. also like Nico Collins would be a good matchup for example. Uh, George Pickens would have been a good matchup for him. But like like I'm with you, like I'm more worried about Tank Dell than Nico Collins at this point. And like I obviously like Tyson Campbell is gonna help out the defense more against anyone, but 
like I kind of like I don't like I don't think Tyson is like any kind of like tank Dell stopper. So yeah, you're you're saying Buster Brown's gonna lock him down is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I think Tank is gonna get his regardless is what I'm saying regardless of yeah. whether Tyson played or not. I feel I hear you on that. You you touched on it a little bit earlier, but. Just how much does it matter for like the Jaguars to get a consistent pass rush this week? Like, does it really matter against this quarterback? I think it would be nice late in the game, which is probably the time that you can't really rely on it from the Jags since like their depth is so like limited and they just don't really have a ton of guys in the rotation. Yeah. Um, I mean they they definitely rotate funny, but it's just not very deep. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) I it, it definitely matters. Pass rush ladder matters less this week than most yeah. weeks. Because I, I, I feel like even if you force him off his spot, like that's you, you look at some of his big plays in the last couple of weeks. That's when he's been at his best. You know, yeah. Like it's like you said, you almost have to defend him like Mahomes at this point. Like don't blitz and don't let him get out of the pocket. It is nice though that like if you do let him get out of the pocket, like he is very good at like keeping his eyes downfield, but. And, like, I wouldn't say to a fault at all, but he, like, rarely runs. And so, like, I think that's, like, one thing that the Jaguars, it's nice that they don't really have to worry about it. It's because, like, Mahomes will, like, as soon as you think, like, everything is covered, then he'll just, like, scramble for 20 yards and, like, make it look like nothing. But, like, Stroud is definitely, like, no Tom Brady or anything in the pocket, but he's maybe, like, not as mobile as, like, you might really expect. So That was a big thing in college, too, and – I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe that's just Ohio State in general because, like, even Fields, for as good of a runner as he is, didn't scramble a lot per se at Ohio State. You know, a lot of it was like – They never needed to. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point, good point, good point. All right, guys, we got anything else on defense? I don't think so. We're going to get some picks. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, guys. I gave you my tank take. Mm. You've had all week to stew on it. Don't come up with one on the spot. Do you have any hot takes for me? I said. I want you to call D'Amico a fraud. I want you to say Robert Slonick is a Mickey Mouse offensive coordinator. Give me something. I said, I thought my hot take is that Mike Caldwell is going to get national attention. Go to hell. Juicy as yours, it's not as juicy as calling someone a fraud, but like my, my hot take is that fraud. Peter Schrager will say nice things about somebody. Get the hell out of here! Get the hell out of here! That's so good. No, you're, you're you're on take restriction until next next episode. No, don't don't, I, even, don't even don't no 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 don't even come up with another one. I hated that. I hated it. Dang, okay. All right, well, I'm, I've got a recycled one where I said a few weeks ago that the winner of Ravens-Jaguars is going to the Super Bowl. I still kind of like that just because – Yeah. We'll see what happens on Sunday, but, like – I, 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 I gave you hell for that. Yeah. <laughs> the Ravens have been my Super Bowl pick for almost a year now because of you, so I guess I'm going to have you to thank if they end up actually winning. <laughs> I don't um, even know why it bothered me so much. The only other thing I wrote down is that, like, I don't know if is it. I'm so I wrote this down to ask you about it. Is it a hot take to say that, like, the NFC is way better than the AFC and the NFC has the three best teams in the NFL? No, I, like, I, 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 I'd agree with you. 
I just remember everyone talking about the AFC this offseason, even like the offseason before when Russ got traded to the Broncos about how stacked it is. But it's like the quarterbacks in the AFC are stacked. But then like we've had Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, um, Anthony Richardson, I'm sure plenty of other like kind of notable quarterback injuries in the AFC. But then the NFC is just made up of like those three powerhouse teams of the Niners, Eagles, yeah, and Cowboys. Like easily the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, I'm glad so maybe it's not that boys from the line. I'm just saying, like after we spent the past two summers saying like, oh, the AFC is so good, the AFC is so good. It's like to me, like as things stand now, like I'm with it's not close. The NFC is the, the gauntlet. Yeah, I'm, so I'm with you. I think that's a great for the my takes on ship that. I thought I thought I was getting hot enough, but I think I'm. I need to work on getting juicy enough for you. Here we go. I I, I got I got one for you. Would you rather okay. have a player you select with an original pick, like you don't move up for him, who has four sacks, or would you rather give up the twelfth pick, thirty third pick, a first and a third round pick to get a player with three sacks? <laughs> what? So, I'd rather have Williamson. That's my answer. You you got bulky ball, my friend. You you'd rather sell the farm to produce less than Trayvon Walker. That is why you're not in the big boy chair like he is. Okay. I, I yeah, don't, don't, don't Google anything. Google, Google can't help you here. I, oh, I'm I'm typing away. I'm like Jim Carrey. Yeah. No. <laughs> would you Would you rather have four sacks and not giving up any picks, or mortgaging your future and having three sacks? It's a simple question. It, do, do you love data? Basically. <laughs> All right. I would rather have no names attached. I don't want you to bring any of your biases into it. Just Just tell me. Four sacks, no touchdowns allowed, and. The jersey on my back has Herndon on it. That's what I'm picking. Oh well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> best pass rusher on the team. <laughs> he's 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 gonna. Trey Herndon is this close to a game changing strip sack, man. It's it's coming. This, this is the week. Okay, another hot take. Trey Herndon. Trey Herndon fourth quarter strip sack this week. Get get the hell ready. Buckle okay. the hell up. Yeah. That's- yeah, All right. that's that's my take, buddy. Here's here's my bulky ball for you. Would you rather have would you rather sign a player to a three year forty one million contract and have him score zero touchdowns? Or would you sign a player to a one year six million dollar contract and have him score five touchdowns this year? This feels disingenuous. <laughs> Oh, oh, this does. <laughs> <laughs> you just got hockey balled. Don I don't like Schultz this game anymore. Here. I remember I liked Don Schultz, and everyone everyone else seemed like, nah, he's like not that good. No one should pay him. Yeah. And then the Texans get him for $6 million. It's like, that's He's not awesome, but he's serviceable, clearly. So, You'd rather have Will Anderson and Dalton Schultz than Trayvon Walker and Evan Ingram? I'd rather have. Dalton Schultz and Will Anderson and Trey Herndon and Evan Ingram. No, that's not, no, 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 no. You're not. You, you, I'm taking away. Is that your how this take. works? I thought. Don't you love no. data? It's like one and one. Can't I'm taking away your takesmanship until next episode, <laughs> and you also can't bulky ball until next episode. And you keep it up. You can't have dinner tonight either. 
right, I'm gonna take the door off your room. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm walking responsibly. In my room. All Saturday. responsibly. All of Saturday, I'm locking myself in my room and going to work. I'm gonna do a darkness retreat just to better my takesmanship. Then you gotta tear your Achilles after it. Speaking of darkness retreats, I hate the whole Aaron Rodgers coming back thing. It's I, so I insane to me. Why are you doing this? Like, I sincerely hope that they still have four wins when he comes back. So, any cousin, anyway. Like it's like literally like an office plot, like where he has to come back now. I won't shut the hell up about it. Like, <laughs> look like an idiot if he doesn't, dude. Like, literally, like he's pretty obviously doing this, like trying to come back, like not to help the Jets, but just to like prove to everyone, like, yeah, I'm still Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm still a great athlete. I can do anything. I'm better than everyone. So, it, so insane. I'm 99% sure it is so he can make another comment about modern medical science but mm. not, not to get in the that's a thanksgiving table with your relatives conversation oh yeah we covered yeah. that cover that yesterday okay <laughs> yeah, gus give me give me give me your pick of the week i'm gonna give you mine zay jones under 30 and a half receiving yards lock, lock yeah. it in throw away the key there's no chance there's no chance yeah, I think he could be like heavily involved and get, I mean, relatively heavily involved and get like five targets and three catches and I, still like 11 yards. I could see him having one of his best games of the year and getting like 25 receiving yards. Yeah. No, I think that's, <laughs> I think it's. Don't think that genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you nodded along was like, yeah, that sounds like a good game from him. That's not at all. <laughs> You're right. You kind of slipped it under me. I was just about to say that. I don't even know what I was about to say. I was just ready to move on to my next con. I didn't really You're rolling with it. You're, yeah, yeah. 25 yards sounds good. I was just going to say, like, I think it's pretty – you can't expect him to do anything production-wise until he shows it. And so I think I think that's a good best bet. My lock of the week was Evan Ingram touchdown score because I was like, he hasn't scored one this year. But then, like, the stat that I found where he has two ends in – or two red zone targets, probably zero end zone targets on the season is yeah a little frightening. So I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch that as my lock of the week, but I, I'm still gonna suggest Engram anytime touchdown score. I'd also like Engram over 46 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, Chris Burke over 57 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, me too. And then Devin Singletary's rushing yards prop isn't up yet. I'm assuming it's because like. Sportsbooks are waiting to see if Damian Pierce is going to play or not. But regardless, I like Singletary's rushing under because he's had over 100 yards in the past two games. But they were a bit against like terrible run defenses. And like they, the Texans actually ran pretty well against the Jags back in week three, if I remember. But I, th- I think like Singletary isn't even going to sniff 50 yards. I, li- I like ETM to score a touchdown too. Him <laughs> and Tank or his take on official. They're both scoring. I didn't say they were going to throw any. <laughs> they really, I mean, I, I guess I, I, really I, I, they should be establishing the run in the red zone, like in general, but yeah. especially the red zone. I live for a world, like I said, where they score three or four rushing touchdowns in the red zone in one game just to piss everybody off about Trevor's touchdowns. It was, it, it was great last week, uh, like Trevor's four touchdowns. Like I saw somebody who was like, yeah, but two of them are rushing touchdowns, so I can't brag about those. 
They were both like <laughs> reaching for the pylon. People like, are sick Ooh. in the head. People are sick in the head. Oh, People are sick in the head. All right, Gus, go ahead. Give me the prediction. Who's who's winning the ball game? I'm trying to think of what I wrote down for Big Cat Country. Pretty sure I said 30 to 24 Jaguars. It, we, we do it oppositely. This is where I set my take for Jaguar Report for on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to go, God, Jaguars 27, Texans 24. I have no reason to believe the Jaguars win the game other than that they did so many stupid things the first time they played that I think they correct at least half of them and give themselves a ball game. And also, I I think there's something to the point that they play better on the road. They play better when people are picking against them. They play better when their backs are against the wall. I, I believe that. I I yeah. think I think they roll out of bed on that morning against the Texans and thought they would show up and win the game. I agree with all that. And even if I didn't, like, I think there would just be, like, pissed off from the weekly result alone. And, like, just week three and then, like, just Trevor being one and four in his career against the Texans. Because I think he was one and three going into this year. And then they lost week three. Yeah. It, like, the, like, sounds of the game. Uh, I don't know if it was that or the video they put out. Like, you can literally see Trevor, like, saying to Doug immediately after they beat the Titans. Like, yeah, I'm one and four against the Titans. It's like, all right. <laughs> Forget the Titans. Let's, let's move on. I think I'll have plenty of motivation. And I think what, like having more film on Stroud in the offense is uh, actually a big deal. So, yeah, I, I, I thought we were both like idiots last week. I was like, like we both picked the Niners and like, okay, sure. Like they were coming off of Biden doing pretty well. But like, are we, I both, pick the Niners. Are we both, or did we both pick the Jaguars against the Niners? And then last week I was like, are we both idiots for picking the Jaguars again to win this game? And then, Obviously, we know ball, so I think well, uh, every time I pick, every time I pick against them this year, they win. Like I picked against them yeah, against right. the damn Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I feel like that's like the last time you've been. I think I picked against them against Buffalo. Hmm. I think every other week, yeah, I've picked them. There you go, Gus. You got any other takes for us? No, uh, I'm just gonna go yeah. eat this turkey sandwich. Yeah, go do that. You go do that and think about what you did here today. <laughs> I, well, I can't have dinner tonight, so I gotta make sure I have a big lunch. Why can't you have dinner tonight? Because you told me I couldn't. You dang right you can. I'm glad you listened. <laughs> oh. You also sweared, so that's not taller than the swear jar. Yeah. What, yeah. what did I say? Did I drop the double hockey sticks? No, you said the pivot off word that I, I say every other episode. <laughs> so I want you to think about what you did. I'll consider you being allowed to watch the game on Sunday, and we'll come back <laughs> Monday with a fresh slate, all right? All right. I'll, I'll work extra hard in the next 24 hours to get my TV privileges back. That's what I thought. All right. Thank you, guys. As always, Jaguar Report Podcast, John Shipley, my co-host, Gus Logue. We'll be back on Monday to review Jaguars versus Texans Redux. You have been masterclassed, and don't forget it. <laughs>